Please stand for the scripture reading of today of God's word. Isaiah chapter 35, verses 1 through 10. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, it's good, y'all. Amen? Amen. We, you know, we could, I could sit down. I could sit down. Look at this, look at this word, y'all. Man, what a beautiful word. What a hopeful vision. What a dope poem. Fam, when we get done today, my hope is that you will be so filled with joy. I'm saying joy. Church family, I mean joy. Come on, come on. Come on, you can talk to me today. All right, I want you to talk to me. I need some help, okay? All right, I'm preaching a message of joy and hope to you in this Advent season. Because for many of y'all, it's been a tough year. Amen? In some kind of way, whether it's been physically, emotionally, Spiritually, but again, there's joy. And like we just read, like childbirth, there's pains coming that is going to bring birth of joy in this season. Amen, church? Our word joy here is connected to happiness, rejoicing, gladness, of the heart. But there's a contrast here in our first couple of verses. 
the wilderness, the wilderness is at play. The wilderness is something that we talk a lot here at Redemption Church as a theme. A place of sometimes preparation, like Jesus before his ministry started and his temptations, or before that when God's people were in exile. It can also be a positive connotation for us here sometimes too, of solitude and seeking the Lord out and testing. But while in the wilderness, we often hope for a day for things to be right. Amen? And that is the picture our poem poses here for us today. What does a a world of joyful bliss look like? What does a world of joyful bliss look like? Awesome enough, Isaiah situates this poem between a vision of a, a wasteland in chapter 34 and a bloody history Sickness and folly in chapters 36 through 39, in which in chapter 35, we see a fantastic job of presenting an oasis of hope in a desert land. Amen, church? Man, I want you to hear that one more time. We get to see in Isaiah 35, between two wastelands, a desert oasis of hope. But not a hope that can be done through the repentance of God's people. If you get a chance to read chapter 34, you will see the results of human workings without God. It results in a wasteland where moth and rust destroy and animals feast on the way. That is not this passage. This passage is all about God. It is clear that this is the only way that we can reach salvation. It is clear that this can only come as a result of divine intervention, given as a gift to a specific people, and serves as a sign of hope for everlasting joy to the recipients of this message. To whom is this message given? Who is the subject of this text? In verse 2, Isaiah is saying, They shall see, they shall see the glory of the Lord. Who is they in this passage? Well, as we continue to go down the passage, uh, we get little clues, but then we get our final answer in verses 9 and 10. They are those who are the redeemed and ransomed of God. They are those who are the redeemed and ransomed of God. What does that mean? Simply put, ransom means being bought for a price, typically connected to being brought back from a bad situation. If you've ever read or seen real-life stories of dramas where the people who had been bought back from a slave owner that was cruel, or someone paid to enter a brothel, only to make a way to speak with the women trapped in sex slavery so they could get them out. And you felt some kind of way, in a good way, when the good guys won and the bad guys lost. There's a reason why stories like those 
resonates so much with us. Listen, Jesus says of himself in Mark 10.45, that the Son of Man came not, not to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many. If you are happy that Jesus came to ransom you, can I get an amen? amen. Jesus is our ransomer. He paid our price. Similarly, similarly, the redeemed are people who have had God's intervention on their behalf. God being their redeemer and he becoming their next of kin who relishes in the right to take his helpless relative's needs as his own. J. Alec Motyer, a New Testament scholar, puts it like this. To be a redeemer is often used as being the avenger of a murdered person. This is a good indication of the substitutionary nature of the relationship. The one being dead, the other taking over and acting. You can see this in Numbers 35.12 and Deuteronomy 19.6. In his classical expression, he continues, the work of a redeemer was a right which no other dare usurp. And then he, he quotes Ruth 3.12, which you guys know the story of Ruth, right? Where Ruth, where Ruth needed a redeemer. Naomi needed a redeemer. Her situation was bad. And here comes Boaz. And Boaz decides, I'm going to redeem you, Ruth, but wait, wait, wait. Before I do that, before I redeem you, I need to go through the process. And so he goes through the process, and he goes to the city gates, and he gets the one who's first in line for the redemption process. And after a, a council meeting, it was clear that that man could not fulfill the redemption process, and so Boaz is next in line. It was a right that he saw as good rather than an inescapable duty, which calls for willingness. Which means this, church family. For the redeemed folk in this passage... God is their kinsman redeemer, and they are the redeemed, helpless, in need of a savior. And God willingly, seeing in us in, us in our distress, does something about it. God is the greater Boaz for us. And did you catch that part about Avenger in Matthew's quote? Redemption means righting wrongs, which means that God is also Bruce Lee for them. Or Bruce Leroy, depending on how you grew up. That is why in verse 4 you see Isaiah saying that God is coming with vengeance. God is no weak God. Do you know that church? He is not a weak God. Especially not when it comes to his people. Look at your neighbor and think, 
God is over there kicking people out the way. God is kicking demons out the way for that person. Hey, sometimes I think if we thought about that, the fact that God is at war for that person, maybe we would treat our neighbor differently. That wasn't even in my text. That was extra for you. God is no weak God. And God's redeemed will receive vindication, which is a fancy word for proven right. And flat out justice at times. There are many times that it may not be murder, but God's people are just done wrong. Accused by people sometimes, but especially by our great accuser, Satan. Sometimes for the persecuted church, it does mean death. There are more martyrs today than there were when the church was officially started. But either way, Isaiah is saying God will set things right for his redeem. Amen, church? Really, who is Isaiah pointing to today? Who are the ransomed and redeemed people? Well, it is definitely beyond just the nation of Israel or the people of Jerusalem like you might think if you keep reading. Because of this. We see in verse 10, which serves as a bookend for the different sections of the book of Isaiah, we see that those people are going to Zion. Going to Zion. God's holy mountain. God's place of righteousness and holiness and peace. Then who is Isaiah talking about? I'm going to assert here something for you. The church of Jesus Christ. Who have been redeemed and ransomed from their guilt and sin and shame by the cross of Jesus Christ and by the blood of the Lamb. Verse 4 says, it is God who will come and save you. And he did. Amen, church? Through Jesus. Come on, church. Come on. Did he save you? Yes, amen, he did. Have you been redeemed by the Lord? Have you been ransomed by Jesus? Yes, this is our testimony today. We're going to the mountain of Zion. But I would be remiss to to say something that's uh, uh, very true about what is probably happening in this room. While there's celebration and joy... There might be some in here who may still be feeling like or may truly be not redeemed and not ransomed. But let me tell you something. We're about to spend some time just thinking about and meditating on what it means to be in the wave of God's stream. And if any time you come to a point where you say, I don't know if I'm in that wave. I don't know if I'm on the highway of holiness. Then my, 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 my hope today is this. That you will receive Christ Jesus and you will be redeemed by him and ransomed by him. Let me tell you, you don't want to miss out on this wave. 
this wave of salvation that the Lord is serving up for you in a desert. Crazy to think about. In a desert. Remember, this is a word of hope for the redeemed and ransomed. If you are not part of the Jesus crew, then the pastor says in verse 8 that the unclean, those in their hearts that have not been renewed, will not pass over it or will not be able to take an evening stroll on the highway of heaven. And I don't want that for you, friend. Make today the day to choose Christ. Make today the day that you are broken before him and then made whole in Christ. And allow one of your friends today to speak the gospel over you. We're going to talk about it a lot today. And let them tell you about how Jesus saved their lives. And and turn your life over to Jesus today. Will you do that for me, friend? Will you do that? God is near you. He stands knocking at the door of your heart. He will come in if you open that door to him. Now, for the rest of the time, I'm going to be speaking as though we are the redeemed. And we're hearing a vision, a fresh vision of what Isaiah is trying to speak to us today. What does Isaiah want his redeemed to see in this vision? Let's start back at the beginning. Verse 1, he wants us to see that the creation is renewed and it's glorious. The creation is welcoming us into a new land, a greater promised land. Some of y'all need to get on this freedom train. A greater promised land. Verse 1 and 2 is talking about the wilderness which was barren and lifeless, lifeless is now rejoicing, singing, glad, and blossoming. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Verse 6 says, the waters are breaking forth and streams flowing out seemingly out of nowhere, like they did for Moses in the wilderness when he hit the rock. If you didn't catch it, there's a lot of exile language in this passage. The wilderness longs to not be burning sand anymore, but instead a pool. And the grounds who are thirsty want to be springs of water in this picture. It's like the creation is saying, welcome home. Oh, highly favored ones. It can only wait for the day when the ransomed inherit the land. This theme is picked up as well in Romans 8. Romans 8, 20 and 22 says in paraphrase, the creation is in bondage and is groaning like a child birthing labor. Shout out to all my mothers. Y'all are ballers, man. And I think we just had somebody uh, birth somebody into life Recently, if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. That's all right. <laughs> but praise God for all the mothers who birth children. The creation is longing for this, and they are themselves awaiting the day that Isaiah is talking about here. A day where the redeemed of the Lord come to Zion and there's everlasting joy. And it's clear here that it's a reversal of sorts. In verse 7, it says, in the heart of jackals, meaning the den where the jackals lay. 
A jackal is an African dog who is an omnivore, a predator to small animals, and a scavenger, which tends to make a mess of the land wherever they lay. But even where the jackals lay in this vision, y'all, come on, come on, even where the jackals lay in this vision, the grass is renewed, symbolizing that when the ransom received the land, the whole cosmos is renewed. And that that is good news, my friends. Do you believe that? Could you imagine a time such as this? A time where we truly see the glory and majesty of the Lord. A time when we see the glory of Lebanon and Carmel and Sharon. If you know your Bible, you know that these places were amazing places. They had some wonderfully massive trees. They were attractive. They were cultivated well. And so we see the glory and majesty of the Lord because the creation is renewed and flourishing. That's what we are going to see. Massive trees with a bunch of flowers everywhere, blossoming and singing. But family, it gets better from here. Are you ready? Listen to all the good news of joy we get from this passage. There will be a day when physical brokenness brokenness is healed. Look at 5 and 6. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Can you imagine a day where your body's not broken? It's not decaying? It's not hurting any longer? Back pains. Mental issues. There's going to be a day when physical brokenness is healed. It's going to be a day when places of barrenness are restored. Look at verses 6 and 7 again. Then shall the lame man leak like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. But then it says, for the waters break forth in the wilderness. How is waters breaking forth in the wilderness? And streams in the desert. The burning sand. Have y'all ever been in some hot sand before? It burnt your foot? I used to love running around my foot, my, my house barefoot all the time. Then I'd run outside and get on the pavement, and it would burn my feet. And my mom would always tell me, boy, put some socks on your feet. And I would never listen. And one day, one day I ran and jumped in a sandbox, and that was a different kind of heat. <laughs> I said, I should have listened to my mama. Come on now. Well, my mom is wise, I'm telling you. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. Places of barrenness will be restored. A day where we will walk on a highway of holiness. Look at verse 8. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. Now, this highway would have likely caused the hearer in their times to envision a road built on a raised causeway and therefore visible and unmistakable and even more so in a desert. 
but it would also call God's people to envision more. Listen, before we talk about holiness, I just want to say something. Holiness is cool. Maybe we need to first have our minds transformed to know what's cool and what's not. Church family, we need to get our cues from the Lord. Don't get your cool cues from the world, friends. It often leads to destruction. Friends, cheating ain't cool. It destroys relationships and people's perception of self-worth. But the world sure says it's cool. Lying isn't cool. Capping always catches up to you. It's never fun to cap as opposed to living in truth. Not talking about the after school program. Talking about <laughs> like cap. Isaiah Infinity. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, uh-huh. Everybody knows it's not cool. You ain't. It's, it's real, right? If you tell one lie, you got to tell two and three and four, and there's a web of lies. And as you guys know, what a web does with a spider, it'll catch you up. Lying isn't cool. Hate ain't cool. But we simultaneously say it's not cool until someone encroaches on our agenda. We know that in reality, that eventually, what's cool in the world's eyes will perish. It ain't cool. But we do know that if we live in Christ and we take holiness seriously, it is cool. Yo, Jesus is cool, y'all. Jesus is the coolest person. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Jesus walking around? How cool that brother was? That bro was a cool, that boy, man, he was the coolest brother in the whole world. People were sick around him. He's like, boy, be healed. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. Some of y'all ain't feeling this joy. I'm <laughs> brother, Jesus is cool, man. A carbon copy picture of an authentic humanity. Want to be authentic? Follow Jesus. He will make you holy and set apart. Jesus is dope, y'all. Keep reading Luke with us, please. You'll see. You'll see what I'm saying. Now, there's another part to this that I really love. And there's a lot of this in this passage. It's a joyous part of this vision. A day when we shall sing. And we shall sing abundantly. And we shall sing in peace. Verse 6 says, the mute will sing for joy. Somebody who could not speak is going to be somebody who speaks, but not just speaks, sings. And sings the praises of the Lord. The ransom will be singing the freedom song in Zion, God's holy mountain where his presence is. They're going to be singing, God is a God of peace. God is a God of joy. And they'll be singing day in and day out. Also, 
the creation will be seen. And the redeemed will be singing at the same time. Y'all, it's like a musical or something. It's like Disney or something like that. It's like Encanto on steroids or something. Man. I just had this vision, man. Have you have you all ever seen the Alice in Wonderland, like the old school one from 1951? Man, I just had this vision of these flowers singing with with Alice, and, and she's singing. And could you imagine just like bang, 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 bang? It's just singing everywhere. How joyful that would be! Can you feel the joy, church? Speaking of joy, I'm not done yet. There's still more. <laughs> okay. There will be a day when we obtain gladness and joy. Obtain it. Gladness and joy. Like fully realized possession of joy and gladness. Now the translation here could mean that the ransom will be overwhelmed by gladness and joy. But I think our ESV actually renders it well. It's actually more accurate. It is probably that the ransom will overtake gladness and joy, which flows better with the journey metaphor here previously in our text. And so the journeyer, the pilgrim, catches and possesses joy and gladness. Why is that significant, church fan? Well, this should alert us to something in our text. Isaiah, as John Mark and Old Nate have talked about in previous weeks, is talking about a day that was to come. But we know that in in Jesus that day has come, and in Jesus it has not fully arrived. How do we know it has come? 700 some odd years later, two babies were born miraculously. John the Baptist and Jesus. John was a prophet like in no other born of women. And the other was the son of God. The promised Messiah. One day John was in prison and asked Jesus if he's truly the one the whole world was waiting on. You remember this time of time? We're talking about this at Cap. Like Cap after school program, not Cap to lie. Jesus responded to John with words very similar to this passage. What is the signs of this new kingdom? Matthew eleven two through 11 says, And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John, meaning them being the disciples of John, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And because of his miraculous virgin conception and birth, the signs of the kingdom, and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, we can believe that what Jesus proclaimed was true was actually true and was foretold from of old. But if you look around the world and in your own heart, just be honest, look in your own heart. As Brother Nate and JM have taught us that we have not obtained 
this new land fully yet. So we say this here at Redemption Church often, we live in the already and not yet. A time between the times, a different age surely, in which the promise of the Messiah has been fulfilled, but the consummation of everything has not yet come. Instead, what we long for is the second advent of Jesus Christ. Jesus will come back and reward us with the full measure of a beautiful inheritance that we already possess, but is not yet fully realized. It looks a little something like this. Let me break this down for you. Verse 5 and 6 says there's a, there's a day when our body is going to be healed. Well, listen to this. A day when our body decaying is done skis. Think about that. We, we may receive some healing now, but we still die and decay, man. It's a sad thing, right? There's going to be a day when that's done. Are you ready for this, church? A day when we walk on the streets that are not lined with lions, beasts, and ravenous wolves. Can we get real about how we look forward to a day when our way uh, is not, like, hard to walk on? Like, we don't have to worry about Satan, evil spirits trying to bring us down. We have to worry about what 1 Peter 5 eight says, a, a lion is prowling around, seeking whom he might dis- destroy. Aren't you excited for a day when we can just stroll on away and rest? Oh man, we're getting real. We're about to get even realer. Aren't you de- excited for a day when we don't have to fight with folks who will not receive the grace of God? Or fools who straight up walk in wickedness, straight up unclean hearts. Family, sometimes we're afraid to say it. The word fool here is a morally foolish person and not a naive or simple person that you find in the book of Proverbs. Which means that much like the unclean, the wicked fool will not be able to harm us either. I remember one day reading through Michael with John Mark. He was challenging me to read through some of the minor prophets, if there is such a thing. Um, those prophets are good, y'all. And I remember getting to this verse in Micah chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds. When the morning dawns, they perform it, because it is in the power of their hands. They cover fields and seize them and the houses and take them away. They oppose a man, they oppress a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. Or Psalm 36, 4, which says, he plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. Friends, you mean there's people out there? I know we're supposed to pray. I know that the gospel of Jesus Christ can save even the worst of sinners. But do you mean there's a day 
when we don't have to worry about people actively opposing the good that we're trying to do in the name of Jesus Christ? Do you mean there's a day where wickedness and evil will be put to an end? There is a day, it is coming. Don't be on the side of wickedness. In fact, go to the side of righteousness and truth. There's a day when sorrow is a day of the past. Can you imagine that? I bet there's, in the past month, at least everybody in this room has cried over something. Or been deeply sorrowful about something. And you know there's a day when that's going to be gone? That's crazy. Everlasting joy, verse 10 says, shall be on their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Church, that's an awesome day. A day when we actually possess joy and gladness. And it's our default M.O. While simultaneously being free from the circumstances that make us sigh. Can you imagine that? Church, everlasting joy on your heads. That's intrinsic in us. How many of you wrestle seriously? You don't even have to raise your hand for this, but you wrestle seriously, deeply with not having joy in your heart. You want to be joyful, but it's tough. The good that you know to do, you don't do. The way that you want to love your spouse, your kids, your friends, you don't do. There's a day for the redeemed. That's already here. Some of you know that you also are a lot better than what you used to be. Amen. <laughs> You're a lot better than what you. I, I'm. I am grateful. I am not the same Jared when I first came to know Christ. Praise God. Praise God. But there's a day in which even that wrestling that I have of trying to be joyful will not will be a thing of the past. I won't even have to worry about it. It will just be who I am. Don't you long for that? I want that. But church family, it is a down payment now. Just like Paul says in Hebrews 6, 2 Corinthians 1, 22, Ephesians 1, 13-14, those things I just mentioned we have a foretaste of or like a guarantee or deposit given by God as a gift. The Holy Spirit is with you, friends, by which we receive the fruit of divine joy in our DNA now. Protection from evils, even now sometimes. Sometimes physical healings. Some of you have seen people be healed of some very messed up diseases, even now. And comfort by the Holy Spirit. How do we know that? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose three days later, just like he said he would. But not only that, on Pentecost, Jesus gave 
a gift. The very Holy Spirit of God to us. The third person of the Trinity. And now all those who trust in Jesus are active participants in the life of God through the union we have to Christ. It may not look like it to you, church, but it's happening. You may not see it, but Jesus Christ is redeeming the world. Every time you see an act of forgiveness from someone who is betrayed, it is an act of the kingdom. Every time we see someone loving the vulnerable in our midst, you have seen the inbreaking of the glory of the Lord and the majesty of God. If you see a woman or a man walking in true righteousness and religion, then the kingdom is among you. Though often this side of heaven, it looks cruciform or cross-like. Make no mistake that it is inbreaking of the world to come. So we pray, your kingdom come as we partially experience the glory to come. As heaven is invading earth literally. But as we await Jesus' return, we thank God for the first advent and say, come Lord Jesus for the second. So what do we do as we wait? Church family, like Joshua... The promised land is right in front of us. We have already tasted it with the gift of the Holy Spirit as first fruits of the land that is ahead of us. And it is good. Amen, church? Amen. We can see it. And we should receive the words that Isaiah says as Joshua did from the Lord, which is where Isaiah gets this from. And we should cling fast to the promises of God. What should we do as we await the second advent? Proclaim the gospel to yourself and believe it. That's a key point. I'm going to say it again. Proclaim the gospel to yourself and believe it. Isaiah says, strengthen them weak hands. Make firm them knees by the gospel. Say to your heart, be anxious for nothing. And then with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. That's in Philippians 4. Verse 4 says, say to those who have an anxious heart, meaning if that is you today, say it to yourself first. And then if you've got a neighbor who is also anxious, Proclaim that to your lost neighbor as well. The same thing that you proclaim to yourself. Can you imagine a day when all this happens and there's nothing but joy coming your way and then bad stuff happens and then you think, I've been ransomed by Jesus Christ. And your joy becomes unshakable. Proclaim it to yourself. Move with God's flow of righteous joy. Take seriously, friends, that there's different roads. And take the road that leads to joy. 
repent of anything that would lead you away from the road of freedom and everlasting joy. Doesn't the highway of the Lord sound joy-filled and super peaceful? No lions, no evil people on it, flower-lined, singing, man. That sounds good. (laughs) That sounds good. And again, I say believe the gospel. God can make a way out of no way. I was struck with this doing our Advent stuff at home last night, y'all. We were watching a kids show about Christmas that started with Malachi in a desert. And it hit me that Jesus is God's way and Jesus came in a desert, y'all. Furthermore, Bethlehem sits on a hill at the edge of the Judean desert. Bam. When we weren't running to the road, God came to you. When we got ourselves in some desert wasteland, God ransomed us. When we had thirsty souls, God made a spring for us in a desert land. God can make a way out of no way. Do you believe that? Even further, Christ died on a tree. If you want to see the glory of the trees of Lebanon and Sharon and Carmel, then look to the cross. Look to the cross. That look like weakness to those who can't truly see. And you will find the majesty and glory of God. Everlasting joy in God's freedom land. Thank God for baby Jesus. Amen, church. Thank God for the Advent season, amen, church? But thank God soon for the true gift of Christmas. If God made a way out of no way and ushered us into a new age of salvation, and he said he will come back again, then he will do it. Do you believe that? God can make a way out of no way. Everlasting joy in God's holy land. Now, I want to invite the worship team to kind of come up real quick. Would you guys mind coming up real quick? Because <laughs> Advent is a time also of reflection and repentance before the gift of Jesus Christ is given to us on Christmas Day. I would like to pray for you. But before that, I want to say that singing is something that's something we gotta we gotta continue to do. It doesn't matter if you can't sing like me. One of the markers of everlasting joy singing. You know we're gonna be a singing people church in heaven forever. It's gonna be glorious. I bet in heaven, I bet, I'm going to sing something, something that would make Bruno Mars melt. Bruno Mars ain't going to be able to touch my singing, bro. <laughs> that brother can sing. Just being honest. I don't, I don't approve his music, music though. 
But there's, until then, there's a lot we can do. There's a lot we can do to meditate on the joy of the Lord. And I think some of us need to start meditating more on the joy that we're going to have in Jesus. And then start singing. Start singing a new song. Every week we come and sing. And we proclaim something way bigger than we ever really know. The age that has come in Christ Jesus and the age to come. Which is a sign to ourselves and to the world that we belong to another world. A different mountain. And a sign to our enemies that their demise is coming soon. I pray we stay a singing people from all tribes and tongues. I'm so glad we worship bilingually. From all tribes and tongues. All peoples. I pray we worship in even more tongues as the years to come. Amen, church. Amen. Amen. I feel my soul. I want to sing a song, actually, to close. You guys know Amazing Grace? You guys know the first verse? We're just going to sing the first verse, and then I'm going to pass it to them, and they're going to keep us singing. If you know the song, sing with me. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. Lord Jesus, we see. We were blind, we were lame. We had no hope in the world. But it is the joy of the Lord who, despising the shame, endured the cross and set us free. And we will have victory. We already have it, and we will have it even more so in the days to come. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for you. We are so grateful for the joy we have in Jesus Christ. I pray today somebody in here would be freed and set free from the joylessness in their life. I pray that somebody in here today would be set free from not being ransomed in Jesus Christ. They would see the joy that the saints have and they would want that, Lord. Father, I pray today, Lord, that if we are not seeing the kingdom of God like we're supposed to see, Lord, that you would set us free and give us new sight and new new vision. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.